0: Hi, I'm Clara Wisner, and this is Revolutionary Lifestyle Podcast. Hello, lovely people, lovely listeners. My name is Clara Wisner, and I am the owner, founder, creator, visionary (laughs) of the brand Revolutionary Lifestyle. And... The Revolutionary Lifestyle Podcast, and I wanted to create an episode at the very beginning of this podcast to tell you the creation story, my story, the story of the entity that is Revolutionary Lifestyle, and therefore the story of the creation of the Revolutionary Lifestyle Podcast. As I've been preparing for this episode, I... I'm realizing how uncomfortable in a way it feels to be the only one talking. How much I would rather do this with someone else as a sounding board or uh, in the form of a conversation. So for me to just be talking and it only be me, it just feels um, awkward. But that being said, I think it's important to start out a podcast to be clear on where it's come from for you guys, for the listeners, because I know that when I get really into a podcast or I get really into a person or a figure or a brand, I'm always craving to know like, what is, what is the story behind this? How did these people get to be where they are? and also to make it more real to know that i am a person that i that there was before revolutionary lifestyle podcast that this is how you found me and there will be after and to create the relationship with you that is the reason that i like to do podcasting because i think it's a very intimate form of consumption i think it's a much healthier form of consumption than a lot of social media or you know, flashy news stories. I think podcasts are such a unique, um, way to connect with a listener or with the consumer of the media. And so I want you to know a little bit about me. I think that it's important. And I think that it's important that you get a baseline of what this podcast is all about. So that's what I'm attempting to do with this introductory episode. Um, so I'm going to start with my story and then start with the story of revolutionary lifestyle and then talk about what it is I actually do and why a podcast. So um, so my story starts, I mean, it's it's always hard to know where the story starts, but I will say that if you listen to the episodes that are coming out and that maybe have come out already if you're listening to this um, after the podcast has already started, that I always start my podcast interviews with what's your story? How did you get here? So this is my story. This is how I got here. So I'll start with the fact that as a kid, a uh, super young kid, I was always interested in um, like behavior like why people did what they did um and to an extent the physical body i my parents had this book in our basement they had a bunch of books and national geographics and just a, almost like a library in our basement and this book that i got obsessed with when i was super young was called where there is no doctor and it was like a my parents had been in the peace corps it's actually where they met And they had needed to have this, they had gotten this book where there is no doctor because they were working in rural villages that didn't have doctors available. And so it was kind of like this like rough and dirty, like guide to how do you do like surgeries? And, um, you know, there were lots of like really crazy ailments and like diseases and things like that. So, I got really into this book and, and the reason that I'm starting there is because I think there's this theory called the acorn theory that is that instead of psychology. So normally when we think of like modern day psychology, we think of, you know, what happened to us in our, in our past and our childhood affecting our adult lives. So we think, oh, I had this trauma in my past, and therefore I have this problem in my adult life, or I have this, um, you know, the, this this experience when I was a kid, and that creates a lot of fear in my life right now. But what I like to think of, I kind of like to flip that modern psychology on its head and say, what were the aspects of myself that were so obvious when I was a kid? that they come through as an adult in my work. And that to me is a lot more interesting to explore. So why it's called acorn theory is because in an acorn is an entire oak forest, right? It's the, the DNA or the directions in an acorn for an entire oak forest. An entire oak forest could grow from one acorn, right? And so that's the, that's the acorn theory as it applies to psychology and human development is that when you were a kid, you had these, this essence of you that, that then grows and gets more complex as you age. And so, so what are those little things right in you that from a very, very young age, you now see almost coming out as more detailed and more alive and more present, the older you get and the more connected to yourself you get. So that's why I bring up this, this book of where there is no doctor, because this one little seed or this one little thing that I was so interested in for no good reason, you know, this is why it's so important to kind of think back on those times when we were kids and say, what did I love? What did I, what was I weirdly into that other kids weren't, right? And that for me, that book, not only is it about health and wellness, uh, it's also about unconventional health and wellness, which you will see is what I'm all about. It's also about self-empowerment. It was about you know, me kind of learning like, well, if this crazy thing happened to me, I would know what to do, right? I could do surgery on someone (laughs) if I needed to. And that has always been incredibly attractive to me as well. This, this notion of empowerment around uh, my body and my health, my medical care. And so, um, so that seed as a kid was there, that, that essence of me that is still a very big essence, this interest in health and wellness, this this desire to have the answers, um, this real curiosity about how the body works and how we take care of ourselves, Um, and then this kind of attraction to, to... holistic medicine to using plants as medicine to, um, that kind of like this witch doctor or healer or healer energy, um, ancient kind of healer energy that I was always really attracted to. Um, and so as I grew up, I always had this, right. I always had this desire to understand people, to use natural means instead of conventional means. And I don't know where this came from. It doesn't come from my family, but I always, I never wanted to take any sort of chemical or over the counter medicine. So, um, I, you know, didn't take ibuprofen. I wouldn't take, um, NyQuil or DayQuil. Um, I, I got diagnosed with various things, you know, mental health wise as a kid, and I just refused to take an antidepressant or, um, an ADD or ADHD medication. And I even remember being very, very outspoken about this as a, as a young child that I would not put these things in my body. So again, this acorn theory, right? I was already embodying a lot of the tenants that I so strongly uh, proselytize (laughs) about now. And so it's interesting just to see that as part of my story that I've always had this um, innate kind of desire to go the natural way, to do the natural thing, to figure it out for myself and not have someone tell me what to do. (laughs) That's a big part of it too, this rebellious tendency. And you can see that with Revolutionary, that's why it rings so true for me. Is that I truly am and feel revolutionary in my bones and in my gut and in my heart and in my soul. I feel like a rebel, I feel like I want to go against the status quo, not so much to fight against it, but I feel a fire. So, this is all part of my story, right. Um, and part of the story of revolutionary lifestyle as well, the birth of it, the beginning of it, the, the creation of it. And so through all of that, so when I was young, I was interested in this stuff. And as I came into, came of age, I guess. So, uh, into teenage years, I started to utilize this, um, interest in the human body and, um bettering yourself and being in control of your own destiny, so to speak, um, to an unhe- in an unhealthy way, you could say. Um, I started to over-exercise, to really obsess about my body, the way it looked, um, uh, what I was eating, and this continued through college undergraduate school. Um, And so I grew up in Montana, rural Montana, which I'm so grateful for and currently live uh, in rural Montana as well. And just as a little background there, more practical background. So throughout, you know, junior high, high school, undergraduate college, um, I was just obsessed with fad diets, with anything and everything that could like get me skinny, get me smaller. Um, just a real deep, almost self-loathing. And, you know, we ask ourselves like, where did this come from? What happened? Um, cause with me, at least there's nothing obvious. There's nothing obvious where, you know, uh, my dad didn't yell at me and call me fat. Um, my mom didn't diet outright or talk about my body in a way that was, um, demeaning. Um, And I didn't particularly have, you know, friends or wasn't particularly in a social circle that was really obsessed with their bodies more so than anything I think that is unfortunately is normal during that time of your life and that age. And so, you know, why? Why? why did that happen why did i become so obsessed with what i ate and how i looked and how i exercised and really ultimately pleasing people because all of it came comes down to wanting to be loved right so i thought oh i can be loved if i look this way and if i act this way and if i do these things And that was my life. I was just uh, trying to get that external validation, that external love. So I thought I had to do these things to get that love. So that is also a seed. Again, if we flip this psychological, the, the old psychological paradigm or the more common psychological paradigm is something happened to me. And therefore I had an eating disorder or therefore I overexercised or therefore I had this very low self-worth. But if I instead read my past through my present and even my future, I see that presently I do a lot of work with women around self-love, self-worth, uh, breaking free from diet culture, uh, working on finding their worth through internal means versus external means, right? So finding the wellspring of love within them and living from a place of overflow instead of this like dried out place inside where you're constantly looking for something to fuel you. You fuel yourself and then you give to others instead of trying to get others to fuel you if that makes sense. So because that's the space in which I work, it makes sense that in my past, I would have this experience of the opposite, right? It's like I needed that that experience. I needed that programming to be able to help people in my position today, to be able to understand women in that position today. So I had this experience with this real self-loathing, real, real extreme gaining all my love from external sources, um, experience through undergraduate school. And it, so I went through that. It, it, it kind of got worse when things in my life got worse and got better when things in my life got better. So, you know, but not 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 wholeheartedly better. Just like, oh, I have a boyfriend and people love me and I have good friends and now I feel good about myself because of that. Or if I get broke up with or um, you know I gain weight or I did bad in school, then my you know I would immediately tank and go feel all these bad feelings and go into these destructive behaviors. And so that ebb and flow happened throughout my life. And I can honestly say I was not happy um, with the way my life was going, but I didn't know any different, right? So after college, I joined the Peace Corps. And if you remember, my parents met in the Peace Corps. And so that was something that I had always thought I want to do that. And I also thought that I wanted to work in the international development space that seemed like... I like to travel, I liked culture, um, and I liked I've always wanted to also again a seed here is that I've always wanted to like help people. I think a lot of people feel that way. I always wanted to help people, and I felt like these you know travesties are going on in different parts of the world. I need to go and like see them and help. And so I joined the Peace Corps, I got sent to Zambia in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, and That was really the beginning of quite an awakening for me. And so in Peace Corps in Zambia, I was stationed in a village with no running water, no electricity, a mud hut. I didn't have any cell service. This was in 2010 to 2012. So a little bit before, you know, a lot of the big social media stuff was happening before iPhones. Um, actually, when I came back in 2012, iPhones were like a thing. And I was like, what are these things? How come there's no buttons on the phone? Cause I had been like paused, you know, for two years. So, so the point of that is to say, I was very like, um, isolated, right. Uh, in a village where people didn't speak English, they spoke a tribal language that I kind of Learned, but of course, was very foreign language to me. And so, during that time, I just had a lot of time to be with myself. <laughs> um, and it could have gone bad, and it could have gone like there was definitely a, a fork in the road at this point in my life. And I remember feeling, you know, being forced to look at myself because no distractions. Right? No quick food. That was another big thing that got taken away from me. I'd always use food emotionally, which is what I help people with a lot these days as well. And so, not having access to like comfort food, um, you know, not being comfortable, you're basically camping for two years, not having anyone to really talk to other than any other Peace Corps volunteers, you know, once a month or so, maybe you saw one. And, um, you know, no, no electricity, no running water, no cell phone service, no like digital distractions, movies, things like that. So I was forced to read a lot. I was forced to be alone a lot. And I was forced to really look at myself and quite honestly, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like this people pleasing tendency. I didn't like this constant reaching for validation. And so I started to get, you know, different books on it. I did have a Kindle at that time. It was when they still had like the paperweight only. And so I would go into town, into the capital, and use the internet and download different books. And I was reading a lot of Eastern religion stuff. And I got this book just through a fluke. Um, you know, someone giving it to me or something that another Peace Corps volunteer. And it was called Mindful Eating. Um, and if you Google it, you'll find it. It's by... A doctor uh, actually a Buddhist she's Buddhist as well so I read this book and I was like what mindful eating this is so bizarre but also again looking for these flashes of of clarity right and there was this flash of clarity I need to learn how to do this this is something that is in my destiny you could say because I do speak in language like that There's a whole nother discussion as far as like, what is a destiny, free will, all that. But taking this acorn theory, again, those sparks of clarity, those urges where you're just like, I need to know more about this. I need to figure this is something that is like important to me, right? To me, I would say that is like part of your destiny. That is your soul lighting up and saying, go here, listen to this call. And part of living a revolutionary lifestyle, in my definition, is listening to those calls, is being constantly aware of where am I being pulled towards? What is lighting me up? What is taking up space in my brain more than normal that I need to follow that thread of desire, right? So, I got this book, Mindful Eating, and that was really there was this point at which I was like, okay, I can keep doing the things as I've been doing them. I can do the restrictive dieting. I can keep, you know, going against my innate intuition to please others. I can keep valuing other people. People's opinions and needs and desires and wants over my own, or I can actually choose a new way that would involve actually like self-care, actually paying attention to what I want, paying, being mindful of my own body, um, being on my body's side was part of that, and take care of myself. <laughs> It was like these foreign concepts to me, you guys, to take care of myself. It was like, what do you mean take care of myself i you You just help other people and then they'll take care of you right that's That's what I was operating from. so I made a choice in Zambia to take care of myself, and I didn't know what that meant. I was terrible at it. I definitely didn't figure it out in Zambia, <laughs> um but I had I had this new idea. This seed had been planted and I couldn't stop. I couldn't not do it. If you know what I mean, that's that soul calling that, that destiny. And so I moved back to the U S decided I was not meant for international development work. That was part of this kind of awakening. And I was just working at a coffee shop and in Denver, Colorado, and trying to figure out how to take care of myself, trying to eat healthier, trying to read books about it, um, trying to give myself space, go to therapy, that kind of thing. And I kept riding my bicycle on my way to work past this school called the Nutrition Therapy Institute, which was uh, it's a school in Denver. And I was like, I'm going to go in there and just see what they do because maybe they can teach me how to take care of myself. Right. Because I was getting into all these blogs and books and self study, but it seemed like all very divergent. Like one person was saying the opposite thing of another person. And I was getting really into like yoga and like veganism, but I was feeling sicker and really bloated. And like my digestion was off and it was it felt like i was like demonizing foods and that didn't feel quite right so i walked into the nutrition therapy institute in denver colorado and that really is the beginning of well now what is my career um so the nutrition therapy institute i went to from 2012 to 2014 and i got um a lot of nutrition education more science, um, lots of biology, physiology, um, supplement info, vitamin info, uh, food, kind of like, you know, food safety, food, uh, label reading, that kind of stuff. And then in the second year, I focused on women's health and hormones. And so that was just something that I found really interesting and uh, again, following those little calls following those little interests is the key to this this thing called revolutionary lifestyle a revolutionary lifestyle is following your heart following what interests you letting it not have to make sense you know um and i didn't know oh i want to be a hormones expert or i want to help people get women get pregnant or i know that this is what i'm going to do i didn't know the end result i just Knew that's what seemed the most intriguing. I know that's what felt the least difficult. (laughs) You know, there's real truth to like allowing that flow of, you know, being like water. Like, where is the most momentum here for me? I'm going to go that direction, even if it makes no sense for the rest of my life, what I've done so far. Those are those that is that DNA, that destiny. And of course, there is free will. you could go against it, and we all have um, but that's what I felt interested in so so I did that, and then I um started revolutionary lifestyle, the practice um, the you know the coaching practice, you could say the nutrition practice, and it's so funny how. <laughs> um the name came about because i actually started my practice and named it perpetual health nutrition and that was you know more nutrition based more health based but through the process of of doing a little bit of coaching here and there. Um, again, this was very like part time. I was doing something else for like my quote unquote real job, but was starting to get a feel for what it felt like to work with people and help people and do. I was doing like a lot of like meal planning and like nutrition overviews and uh, doing any sort of like diagnosis or supplementation. And but I decided I wanted to go bigger with it and I needed to build a website. And through building the website, I knew that Perpetual Health Nutrition wasn't the name. Again, that revolutionary lifestyle is listening to your heart and not your mind and letting the heart truly be the guide. And my heart, even though Perpetual Health Nutrition, it sounds good. It made sense. I'd had all this branding already with it. it just wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't the thing that I was here to do. It wasn't my destiny, so to speak. And so I came up with the name revolutionary lifestyle just through, you know, brainstorming and writing things down. And I remember landing on those two words because I wanted it to be bigger than nutrition. I knew that already from coaching people in nutrition. I knew that I couldn't do meal plans and talk about just food uh, for very much longer, even at that point, which was like six months in. And I knew I wanted to talk more about the whole lifestyle because I, again, from a very young age had the seed of like, this isn't just about one thing. It's about the whole picture. It's about Feeling empowered, which is a lifestyle. It's about exercise and nutrition and stress management and mindfulness and all of the things that go into your your body, you know, and your and the way you feel and the way you show up in the world. And so, I chose revolutionary lifestyle. And I remember, maybe Kelly is listening to this. My first website designer, Kelly Schroeds she, uh, I told her what I came up with for the name. Cause we've been working together before I came up with the name and I told her revolutionary lifestyle is the name of my practice. And she said, kind of looked at me like, are you sure you can live up to that <laughs> in the best possible way? It wasn't like a dig. It was just like, wow, that's a powerful name. <laughs> um, that, that is a lot. Is that what you want? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, that's what I want. So the entity of revolutionary lifestyle has grown a lot since then, but that's the beauty of naming it. It was that it was such a big thing that I could grow into and I'm still growing into. And I, you'll notice that I talk a lot about, you know, like revolutionary lifestyle as a separate entity. Yes, it's my business. Yes, it's the name that I, you know, go by as far as on Instagram and Facebook and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's my website name, but I think of it as an entity of itself, of in itself. Like I, it's got a life of its own and I'm just kind of here to be the vessel through which it comes out. It's put out into the world. And so I actually have a relationship with the term revolutionary lifestyle and what it means and I tap into that energy and to make certain decisions. And so, um, so my business turned into revolutionary lifestyle. I started to do more lifestyle coaching, not just nutrition. Um, and that turned into doing tapping certification. So if you're familiar with emotional freedom technique, I also have official training in that and can teach people how to do that and have all different um, depths of knowledge as far as how to use tapping and EFT for, you know, wealth creation, for emotional freedom, of course, uh, to help with, you know, um, emotional eating, um, whatever. So tapping is a tool that I use a lot. And then I also got trained in voice dialogue, which is a type of psychotherapy, um, that helped me personally when I was kind of on that journey of how do I take care of myself? I got the privilege of working with, um, a guy named Chloe Volpiani, who will probably be on the podcast at some point. And he, does voice dialogue. And it was uh, a modality that really, really helped me. So I also use that. Um, it's kind of like uh, psychosynthesis. So it's this idea that we have different, uh, different selves so to speak in our psyches and that if we give them voice, so through a facilitation through sessions, then we can actually kind of figure out what is underneath these habitual patterns that we might want to change. And it's a really powerful, um, theory, as well as facilitation, as well as therapy practice. So I use that in in my practice as well. And really what my theory is as of now and how I work with people is based on the four bodies, which is mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical bodies. So that premise is that we have these four bodies and that stagnation in any of the bodies creates disease and disease. So stagnation in your physical body, right? If you eat something and you're not digesting very well, and there's a lot of stagnation and there's a lot of, um, you know, there could be like toxicity and uh, gas created. There could be a lot of um, discomfort in the gut and in, you know, the, the digestive system. Same goes for emotional body, mental body, and spiritual body. So, emotions get stuck if we don't allow them to process, if we don't feel them and release them. So, for example, grief is an emotion that maybe something, some travesty happens, right? A death of a loved one. And we are not equipped at the time to process the grief, to process the loss. And so, we kind of there becomes a stagnation in the emotional body, and it kind of tightens, and it can create discomfort, and it creates maybe more sadness than um, than is necessary, you could say. So we actually stay sadder longer because we're not processing. Um, and it can maybe actually start to manifest in the physical body, the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical body. These, three, these more subtle bodies can definitely affect the physical body and the physical body can affect the more subtle bodies as well. And so maybe we have an emotional stagnation and it starts to build up in the lungs and we start to get like a respiratory infection. That's really common for grief, actually. Um, and so that idea that we that any sort of stagnation, or let's take the mental body, for example, the mental body, if we overthink things, right? If we maybe have an interaction where we can't stop thinking about what we should have said, right? Should have said this, should have said that, that that stagnation is going to create disease. It's going to create anxiety. It's going to create um, sadness. It's going to create discomfort in our, in our heads, in our head space. It's going to create lack of focus. So stagnation creates disease or disease eventually, disease in the body and spiritual body, right? If there's a stagnation, we don't have that connection to purpose. If you're not a spiritual person, you could just think of spirituality as a purpose, as feeling like you are part of something bigger, and this is really important for happiness and joy, to feel like we're not just floating alone in the universe, to feel like we're actually part of something bigger. It doesn't have to be God. It could be anything. It could be a cause. It could be a family. But as long as we're part of something bigger, our spiritual connection can be clear, Right. Um, and again, if our physical body is very stagnant, we could maybe have a hard time connecting to our purpose. If our mental body is stagnating, we might have a hard time connecting to that higher purpose. So that is the theory upon which revolutionary lifestyle is based now. And so what do I do? Right. I think I get this, I I get this question well, actually I'm going to define revolutionary lifestyle first. So that is the premise behind it is this four bodies approach to healing and a revolutionary lifestyle. I've said it throughout a few times, but it's, it's being willing to follow the nagging that you, that your soul, or that is like, it's beyond comprehension, right? There's like a nagging, in you, I am bigger than this. I deserve more than this. I want more than this. There must be something else I'm meant to do. I really, really, really want to do what that person does. Even like a deep desire or almost jealousy, sometimes it can putre it or like toxify it into of someone else is an indication that your soul wants more and. So a revolutionary lifestyle is living in that way. Is, it's, it's literally revolutionary because it is not the way that we live nowadays. We don't live in such a way that encourages us to follow our nagging. We don't, society doesn't like it when people think, are always wanting to think bigger and so what goes along with that revolutionary lifestyle is the the willingness to become uncomfortable and to stay in that discomfort because it's a willingness to build endurance if you will and how do we build endurance you know physical endurance again if you're like a runner and you're trying to run do a marathon right you have to keep pushing your edge of endurance or else you're never going to be able to run the full marathon. You have to keep, you can't, you couldn't go from zero to a marathon. You have to keep, you have to have a training schedule, right? So a revolutionary lifestyle is taking our whole lives and applying them to that concept of endurance, of constantly pushing just a little bit, just enough against that comfort zone so that we become more and more, willing to be uncomfortable because we see the results, because we see what it feels like to expand. And so a revolutionary lifestyle is someone who is brave and courageous enough to push that comfort zone, to say, nope, I've got this nagging in my heart for a bigger life. And I know that it means that I will have to become willing to be uncomfortable because who I am right now in this smaller life is beautiful and I love her. But for me to get, reach that goal, for me to do that thing, for me to have that life that I so feel in my bones is what is for me. I know I have to grow myself and therefore I am willing to be uncomfortable am willing to show up for my highest, best self. I am willing to have, like, literally be a rebel to society that says I should stay small, that says everything is fine, that says I should be comfortable and grateful for where I am. Those things are all true, both and, right? It's not either or. It's not that we're not satisfied with our lives and that's it. It's that we are completely humbled and grateful and just heart open for where we're at right now and understand so beautifully that we have done our best up until this point and it's wanting more. It's a paradox, like all great truths, all great truths are paradoxes. You guys. So, a revolutionary lifestyle embraces the both and the idea that we can be happy, not happy, I don't like that word, um, content with ourselves, proud of ourselves, grateful for what we have, and want more, and be willing to be uncomfortable and follow the nagging of our own hearts. So that's what a revolutionary lifestyle means to me. And that is why I decided to create this podcast, because through living a revolutionary lifestyle to the best of my ability every single day, and that is one of my biggest directives in this life is to literally be the example is to, I will always like put myself in whatever advice I give first. Like I do not talk about things that I have not done um, in, in a lot of cases, at least, you know, within reason, but i try to make my life a living testament to this this value this entity of revolutionary lifestyle and i am trying and doing my best to live in that zone of discomfort and to be loving and accepting of myself while at the same time always wanting more for myself and so i've had this this these incredible opportunities to connect with all of these people who I believe exemplify a revolutionary lifestyle. And so all of these interviews on this podcast are with women. Maybe there'll be some men at some point, but for the most part, it's women who are doing a revolutionary lifestyle, living a revolutionary lifestyle, maybe a little bit differently than me, but that hopefully you relate to and that can give you more ideas about how to live your own revolutionary lifestyle, which is different than mine, which is different than theirs. And there's this concept of expanders or people that allow you to see that what you want is possible or that give you like a new frame of reference on things. And this term comes from Lacey Phillips's work. Um, But that's also what this podcast... Wants to do for you is to expand you, to have you hear stories of women living this lifestyle and have you relate to certain aspects and say, if they could do it, I could do it. If they could listen to that nagging, then I can listen to my nagging. It doesn't have to look the same, it doesn't have to be the same nagging, but it gives you that inspiration. So Yeah. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say that that is the story of the podcast and of revolutionary lifestyle and that, you know, I, what do I actually do? I mentor women and coach women on how to live a revolutionary lifestyle. And so that's one-on-one private coaching through my program. Um, I also have online programs that you can do yourself Uh, On my website, RevolutionaryLifestyle.com, I have Self-Love Mastery, which is a 16-week online course. And then I have Stop the Emotional Eating Toolkit, which is a small um, program that is just designed for stopping emotional eating. And then I have my private coaching. And then I also am building uh, an organization and a team of amazing Women and individuals through the vehicle of DoTerra essential oils, and that will be, I'm sure, a topic um, of many podcasts uh, in this aspect. Because I really, truly believe that DoTerra's business model gives us such authority and autonomy to create a revolutionary lifestyle for ourselves. So it's a vehicle through which I I put a lot of um, I I believe has a lot of power. And so I build a doTERRA business, uh, with, I build a business through doTERRA as well as a part of what I do. And then I have this podcast and you can find me at revolutionary lifestyle on all the social media. Well, really just Facebook and Instagram and, uh, website revolutionary com. And that is it guys. That is the creation story of revolutionary lifestyle. I'm so grateful and honored that you're here and that you've listened to this. And I hope that it has expanded you in some way and that you are excited to listen to all of these amazing guest speakers because they truly are incredible women. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. We are so grateful for your support, your feedback, anything that you'd like to share with us. We appreciate fully. Revolutionaryhelpdesk at gmail.com is where you can send any questions, comments, feedback. And if you'd like to check out more about me, Claire Wisner, go to revolutionarylifestyle.com. Thanks for listening.